Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Everybody within the city has been scared for several years now. But for over the last seven days, that scare feeling has kind of gone away. And now everybody within this city is absolutely terrified. As they walk throughout the marketplace, as they go through the streets and the alleys within the city, they're constantly looking over their shoulders in absolute fear and terror. As they sit at the dinner table with their families, they don't mention anything about it, but they all know everyone is thinking about the exact same thing. If while they're at dinner, anything from the table, a cup or a bowl would roll off the table and hit the floor, everybody would jump because they are absolutely terrified that their greatest fears might be coming true. And it was the entire city. Now, the whole city itself wasn't really that big, only five to six acres at the most. But this city was a fortress. Around this city was a retaining wall that was about five or six feet thick and went up about 15 feet high. Then there was a little bit of an embankment. Then they had another wall that went about 25 feet high. So if you put these two walls on top of each other, just imagine a four-story building. That's how big this wall was. This city was a fortress, but they were absolutely terrified because they hear a trumpet from outside the walls of the city, and then they hear an enormous roar from an army, and now they know something is about to happen because the walls that so fortified this city start to shake. And as they look, they start to see cracks going up the wall. And then the entire wall is going to collapse down. It's the Battle of Jericho. And the nation of Israel, their army, storms into the city with two orders. The first one, do not touch anything within this city. Don't touch it. Don't take it. Leave it alone. Order number two, you're to destroy everything. You're to kill every man, woman, child, and every living and breathing thing within the city. Now, I know before we go on any further, there's some of you in here today that maybe have wrestled with this question before. Hold on, time out. How can a God of love wipe out an entire city of people? How can a God of patience, how can a God of forgiveness and grace and mercy, we hear all these things, how can a God like that wipe out an entire city of people? And in fact, when you look in the Old Testament, he does it multiple times, all within this area of Canaan, which is also the promised land for his nation of Israel. And to kind of give you an idea of why these people had to be wiped out, You don't have to turn there, just a couple verses, but Deuteronomy 9 says this. It helps if I turn this on. Man, I had y'all, man, y'all were in and I just blew it. Man, Deuteronomy 9. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the what? Circle, highlight, underline that stuff in your Bible. That's important. Of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord is going to drive them out before you. 
It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going to take possession of their land, but on the account of the of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. That's awesome, isn't it? He's like, look, look, Israel, I just want you to know, nation, look, the reason we're going to, you know, I'm going to wipe these people out, it's not because you're so great. All right, and it's not because of your integrity. You're actually a pain in the neck, all right? But this nation, this area of Canaan is absolutely wicked. And for centuries, all we ever knew was wickedness, wickedness. And over the last 80 years, we have uncovered all kinds of historical facts about this Canaanite religion and the Canaanite worship that was within the city of Jericho. Um, about 80 years ago, we discovered, we, one of the digs I was on, I said, dig here. Men much braver and smarter than me at one point uncovered a temple of Baal, which is one of their gods. They had all kinds of gods. We're still finding more. There's so many of them. But in between the temple of Baal and the temple of Dagon, they found a library filled with hundreds of artifacts and pictures and texts describing this Canaanite religion. And it was absolutely brutal and evil and horrible. Just to give you an idea, if you, want, if you like to Google... Just go home and Google Canaanite religion or Canaanite worship and see what pops up. Just a little history on it. These guys were so evil. They, they had a god of violence who would have a statue and the hands would be out here with a pan going across and a fire burning underneath. And to, to please this god of violence and war, they would bring the infants of the city up. They would pick one and throw the baby up onto the frying pan and it would be burned to death. This Canaanite religion was so evil, they brought in male and female prostitutes to be part of the worship service. There was bestiality involved. It was absolutely evil and wicked. And this has been going on for three or 400 years. And God has said, I've had enough. I've given them enough time to turn around. And I know you might be saying, well, how do they know God even existed? Well, um, we're going to read this week in Joshua chapter 2 that whenever Joshua sends spies into the city of Jericho to see how tough it is to going to be defeat this city, there is a woman named Rahab who hides the spies. And Rahab is what? Who knows? Man, she's a prostitute. So here is one of the wicked people in this city who is a prostitute as part of this wicked worship and this evil culture and this evil way of life that they have. And she says to these two Israelite spies, she says, look, we are terrified. We are melting in fear because we have heard what God did in Egypt. Remember when God sent the 10 plagues in Egypt? He split the Red Sea. They destroyed Sion and Og. They, they have heard about the power of God, and they are terrified, but they haven't done anything about it. And Rahab, a prostitute in this area, says, I believe your God is the one true God. And when God says, go in and wipe out everyone, he says, spare the prostitute and her family. She believes in me. So the question isn't, how can a loving God destroy a whole city of people? It's actually, how can this amazing God of love, grace, and mercy allow that kind of wickedness to happen for three or 400 years? And it's because he's not passive, he's patient. 
because he wants everyone to come to know his love. And it got to the point where he had had enough. He's got to wipe them out because this is the promised land where his people are going to be living and he can't have that around them. So now you can kind of understand one, why they have to be wiped out and why two, don't take anything from there. Don't take the art. Don't take the pottery. Don't take the money. You, Keep that away from you. That is not to be part of my people. So don't touch it. Leave it alone. And you destroy everything. It's going to be new. We can't have this around my people. And either in the midst of the battle or after the battle is over, we're introduced to Achan, who's one of the Israelite soldiers. And he's going to come across a gold bar, a couple hundred pieces of silver, and a beautiful robe from Babylon. He's going to look around, see if anyone's looking. He's going to look back down at the plunder there. And he has a decision to make. And church, it is a decision that you and I have to face all the time. And we're going to go back 3,500 years ago and see exactly how Achan's story is so our story today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Joshua chapter 7. Uh, if you haven't been here, we are doing something we have never done before here at Christ United. Throughout this year, we're going to read through the entire Bible, which is so cool. I hope you guys have been um, following along with us. If you haven't and you want to, you can go to our website, ChristIsLove.org. You can get it there. You can get it from our Christ United app. Or if you're like me and you like it the old-fashioned paper way, you can go out to our Connect Center in the lobby and get one after the service. But what we're doing is every single day we're reading from the New and Old Testament, and then on Sundays we're digging into something either we just read or something we are about to read. So what we're going to be talking about today is something we are going to start reading tomorrow and this week. So it's Joshua chapter 7. And so uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles. If you are, if you're one of those people who's just like, you know what, I don't like bringing my Bible to church because I don't know how to use it. Look, I just want to encourage you. I once didn't know how to drive a car. All right. I now know. Okay, and look, we don't want you to feel weird or awkward because you don't know where things are in the Bible. We're going to tell you where to go. We're going to tell you things to circle, highlight, and underline. So when you go back and read it for yourself, you can start feeling the presence of God speak to you through his word. So please bring your Bible. If your Bible glows, turn it on. That's absolutely fine. Here we go. Joshua chapter 7. They have just taken Jericho. And Achan has stolen some of the devoted things. And we're about to come to that question of what do we do when no one's looking? Whenever we think no one's going to find out, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's just me. This isn't really that. Who's even going to find out? What is the danger in that? We have Achan's story. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against who? Okay, now, right here we have an answer to one of our questions. Whenever we think, oh, well, what am I about to do? It's not going to hurt anybody else. It's not going to affect anybody. It's just me. It's crystal clear. Who stole the stuff? Achan. Who is God angry with? It doesn't say Achan. It says Israel. So you see, the, the things that we do, the things we do in secret that we think nobody sees, that we think it's not a big deal, it's no, no big, you know, it's not gonna hurt anybody. It's absolutely a lie. What we do when no one's looking, it affects other people. And we're about to find out how much. 
Now Joshua sent men from Jericho, remember they just defeated Jericho, to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up to spy out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. All right, so, so you kind of get, get, get in the story here. So they just defeated Israel. Joshua, this is just how he does it. He sends a couple spies to see this is the promised land tour, okay? They're going on to the next city that they have to wipe out. And he's like, all right, go spy out Ai. They get back to Josh, and they're like, Josh, yo, there isn't a whole lot to Ai. It's pretty small. It's... It's Aner, okay? All right, so <laughs> my wife's gonna kill me for that. I love Aner. Right? My wife's from Aner, so it's, it's a joke. It's funny. It's all right. All right, so it, it's Aner. All right, so you don't need to take the whole army up against Aner. All right, just send two or three thousand guys. It's okay. Don't don't tire everybody. So that's exactly what Joshua does. About three thousand men went up, but they were routed by Aner. I mean AI, <laughs> who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. And if you have a note sheet and you want to follow along, it leads us to the first lesson we're going to learn from under the tent. And that is, we can be defeated even while claiming God's promises. All right, they are in the promise. This is the land that God has promised the nation of Israel. They, because of God, they just defeated Jericho, all right, the fortress. Now they're going up against little Aner. And look, when, when you're in war, no loss of life is good, right? But when you lose 36 out of 3,000, that's not horrible. But this is not what they're worried about. They just realized they can be defeated in the promised land. And they realized God is not with us right now, and they hightail it out of there because they realize, hold on, something is not going right here. And they get back to Joshua because, you see, so many of us, oh, we do this all the time. We will, we will name it and claim it, right? We will get these verses that we love, and we'll, we'll like, put them on a T-shirt or bumper sticker, and, you know, we'll even memorize it. And we'll name and claim these verses. We'll be like, oh, God has a plan to prosper me, give me hope for a future. Boop, take that one right? Hey, God's going to work all these things for good. I'll take that one too. But we aren't walking in obedience to God. But, but we're going to claim all the promises that he has for us. And we think just because we're not walking in obedience because we know his promises that we are okay. In fact, it leads to lesson number two from under the tent. The moment we step out of God's obedience, we step out of God's promises. We were never supposed to walk in the promises of God, ever. We're supposed to walk in obedience with God. And when we walk in obedience with God, we get his power. We get his grace, his forgiveness. We get everything we need to walk through tough times and struggles in our lives. We are filled with his presence and his power. That, And we get the promises when we are walking in obedience. But it's not the other way around. And the, and the, the army learned real quick when 36 of their men are killed, God is not with us something's wrong, and they head back to Joshua. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Now, now this is an incredible sign of humility. They get back and word gets to Joshua, man, 
we've been defeated in the promised land. So he goes before the Ark of the Covenant. And you, most of us know about the Ark of the Covenant, right? It's like a three foot by two foot box, two little golden angels on top, open it up, Germans melt, right? Yeah. Raise the lost Ark. Come on, we've all seen the box, right? Now, now look, he's not bowing down before a box, all right? And the nation of Israel knows that God does not live inside the box, but it is a representation of God. So he is not on his face before a box. He's on his face before God. And he's like, and he is just in a complete act of humility. And look what he says. He says, Allah, sovereign Lord, why, ha why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the people of all the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So right now we're going to give Joshua a pass because he has yet he doesn't know. He has no awareness as what Achan has done yet. He doesn't know. So right now, he's just, it's just news to him. He gets down humility before God, and he was just like, God, why have you failed us? You know, this is going to ruin your name. What are you going to do about this? And it leads us to the lesson number three, which is God will never fail me. It is I who fail him. Guys, it, if there's something in your tent, if there's something in your camp and it doesn't seem like it's going right and you're just like, man, I feel like God is failing me in this area, we need to realize God hasn't failed us. We need to start looking around our tent. We need to see who's in our camp. What's going on that could be throwing some stuff out of balance and out of whack? God is never going to fail me. It is us or those in our camp who fail him. Because remember, the actions of one can affect an entire nation. And this next verse, as we get into this, if you're a Christian, you're, you're probably not going to like this, okay? And if you're not, you may actually kind of like this. But I love these verses that get us rattled. I love it. It makes me think. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Joshua, stop praying about this. Whoa. I... I didn't know God would tell me to stop praying about something. All right, now, he's not saying praying is not good. He's not saying you, couldn't, you shouldn't come to God with a heart of humility and, and pray. He's not saying you shouldn't do that at all. He, Joshua is about to find out what's wrong. And, and, and once you find out what's wrong, that is whenever there is a next step. He says, stand up. What are you doing down in your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I have commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. This is where if you've got a highlighter, we need to circle, highlight, underline this entire verse. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Joshua, now he knows. Now he has an awareness something's wrong in the camp. Someone has stolen something. I mean, this should rattle you. God is not going to be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you is devoted to destruction. 
I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what's buried under your tent. What is it for you that could be getting everything to be caused to be so out of whack and get everything so out of just where things aren't going right? You're just like, man, God, I think you failed me. No, you haven't failed me. It's me, but I think I'm doing okay. So what's in my camp? What's in my tent? Because things aren't going to be good with God unless we destroy the things that are devoted to destruction. And God says, oh, it leads us to the next lesson. After awareness comes action. After awareness comes action. Because I think for some of us, we use prayer as a crutch. And we will pray, pray about the finances, we'll pray about the relationship, we'll pray about things going better, we'll, we'll pray about all these things, and God will give us an answer about what we're to do, and we don't like the answer, so we just keep praying. And God's like, get up. Get off your face. You've prayed about it. Great, I'm glad you did. Now do something about it. Just because you didn't like the answer doesn't mean if you keep praying, you're going to get a different answer. I mean, come on, seriously, can we be real in church? I mean, is it okay? Can we, can we do that? Can we do this today? I mean, it's like some of you, you pray about a relationship, and you're like, man, things aren't going good with us. You know, we're angry, we're yelling, we're always at each other's throats. Well, you're not married and you're having sex. Right? Oh, God, will you please, will you please bless this relationship? And you think God wants to put his hand in this? It's like we want God to be our accomplice. You're praying over God to do some work with your finances, and you're cheating on your taxes. Right? I mean, come on. Whenever you humble yourself before God, and he says, hey, here's what's going on in your camp. Quit praying about it. You know what you need to do. I know what I need to do. Now, now, here's the thing. We can't change this. Only the power of the Holy Spirit has the, the, uh, has the power to change us, but we have to make the choice to allow him to change us, to change our hearts. So whenever God gives us an awareness of something that's wrong in our camp, we have to allow him to take action. But for so many of us, we don't because, ah, no one knows. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not that big a deal. And it is a huge deal. And God says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Another great one to highlight. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. If you're wondering why you're having a tough time standing up against some of these attacks that are coming against you, there's some stuff under your tent. There's some stuff in your camp that you have got to remove to allow God to work. Because he's not going to have his hand in some of the stuff that we want his hand in. And we want him to bless which leads us to lesson number five. If the enemy has a place in our tent, it's because we've invited him in. Now, I know for a lot of us, a lot of times, we'll come up with addiction things for this. You know, this is alcohol or pornography or this is drugs, and that, that is included. But here are some other things that this is included in that we, that we like to kind of brush under the rug a little bit. This is pride. We invite that in because it's all about us, really. Gluttony. That's one. Self-image, anger, finances, lust, unforgiveness. 
We, we, we invite all that stuff in to our tents. And we just let it rattle us. And we think it's not that big a deal because, oh, God, you don't understand my story. My story is different. I, I, you know, God, I know what your word says about pride, but, but, you, but you, you don't understand my story here. I, I know what you say about self-image, but you, you, don't, you don't get why it's different for me. God, you know what? I understand what you say about unforgiveness, but do you realize what they did to me? And we forget the verses where it says that we have to forgive because we've been forgiven. And, and, we, and we keep that stuff in our tents and we think it's not going to hurt anybody because it's different for us. Why we don't have to forgive, why we don't have to worry about, you know, our, our self-image and all that. And, and it's so dangerous. And in the morning, he says, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall, shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with a devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come out forward, um, come forward by tribes and Judah was chosen. Now there's 12 tribes of Israel. Now I don't know if, if as we've been talking, if you've been thinking about Achan at all, but I'm just wondering he had a chance that night to come forward and be like, Joshua, um, got to talk to you. And Joshua would be like, man, we got a lot going on right now. I know I'm what's going on. All right, we need to talk. He, he didn't do that. He, he kept everything under the tent. No big deal. So I wonder the next morning when he comes out and he's lined up behind his family, you know, behind the, the, the clan, behind the tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, all right, tribe of Judah, come forward. I wonder if Achan's like, huh, that was a one in 12 shot. Right? They just, it just happened to pick the tribe that, that Achan was in. The clans of Judah came forward and the Zerites were chosen. I'll snap. He had the clan of the Zerites come forward by families and Zimri was chosen. It's about to get real. Joshua had his family come forward man by man and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, Son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was chosen. See, there, there's nobody left behind him in line. Th this is it. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. And it leads us to this, this last lesson under the tent. He, sa he says, tell me what you have done and do not hide it from me. You see, sometimes the best praise is confession, not a chorus. God does not want us to come in here on the Sundays we choose to come because, yep, we'll go today. He doesn't want us coming in here and just acting like everything's okay. Oh, we're going to come up. We're going to put our hands up. We're going to sing the songs. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. And you know what? There are times I don't get it either. I'm pretty jacked up. Most of you know me. You know that's true. It's just like, but, but he wants me. He, he wants you. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want us coming in here and faking it and just being like, yep, everything's okay. He's like, no, come at me with what you've got. It's not like we're going to come up with our confession, lay everything out, and he's going to be like, whoa, didn't know you did that. It's not going to surprise him. In fact, he's, we're going to be like, hey, here's everything. And he's going to be like, oh, don't forget that other thing. Oh, yeah, hold on. 
All right? it, he knows. Achan thought, oh, no one's going to see anything, but God sees everything. And there are times as we are in this building, we just play. We just act. He wants our, he wants our hearts. And it's not that singing isn't good. I'm not saying that. There are times that he wants us to sing a joyful noise unto the Lord, but he wants our hearts right too. The rest of the story can be kind of difficult because Achan replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. And he finally, finally comes clean. Now, come on. Isn't this how it works for us? Do, do you see the pattern that happened here? He saw, he desired, he acted, and then he hid. Come on, that's no different for you and me, is it? No, whatever it is that we keep buried under our tent, how did it start? Well, we saw something. You know, and then, and then, we, then we looked at it long enough where we needed it. We desired it. We had to have it. And then we act on it. And then as soon as the act is over, there is that guilt, there is that shame, and we hide it. Because have mercy, what would happen if this ever came out? What if my spouse knew? What if my boss knew? What if my church knew? Well, we would pray for you. We would help you. But we are so afraid of the consequences after the fact that we just bury it and we hide it. No big deal. Just that one time, we lie again because comes two, three, and continues because we don't deal with it. We don't undig it from our tent. But this is your story, isn't it? This is my story. And it's so important to see how it ends. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Can you imagine? I mean, just look with that. What does that look like? Hey guys, here's my junk. I'm not gonna hide it anymore. Here it is. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his son's daughters, his cattle, donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all of Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger, and therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Achor simply means trouble. It's the Valley of Trouble ever since. That's hard. I want us all to be on the same page. That's what we deserve, guys. 
That's what we deserve with what we keep buried under our tents. But there's such a beautiful truth here because on your way in today, you guys didn't see a couple of dump trucks with stones, did you? Going, hmm, what are we going to do with those today? <laughs> yeah, they're not out there, are they? <laughs> they're not there. They aren't there. And do you know why? It is because the God of love our Heavenly Father, who loves you so much, who loves me so much, he decided, all right, I'm sending my son to take care of everything that's under our tents. Everything. And even though we deserve the stoning, my son's going to take it instead. We're about in a couple weeks to celebrate the incredible power of Jesus' resurrection. And if you know the story, there was one cross. There weren't thousands. And it was so we don't have to take the stoning. And to move forward, we, we, we have to understand that freedom starts with confession and removing the sin. There's action involved. God, I'm sorry. You mean to apologize to some other people in your lives too? And then you just allow the Holy Spirit to come inside and whatever he tells you to do to get rid of that sin, you do it. Don't keep it buried anymore. Because more than anything, don't we want God with us? Don't we want to be able to stand up against our enemies? Church, there's some things we got to get out from under our tents. And the most beautiful truth is, is that we can step forward to receive grace, not stones. And if you want to know how to make this real, We have got to hate the sin. Because honestly, we like it, don't we? No, we love it. That's why I keep it buried. That's why we don't own it. Because we love it. And if you want to learn to hate the sin, I don't know if you have a kid, if you have a child that you love, I want you to imagine a small child that, that you just love. If it's yours, a grandchild, you're a teacher and you just love your kid. I, I want you to imagine imagine some children that you love. And while they're sleeping, just say, God, I hope they treat their finances the way I do. God, I pray that they gossip the way I do. God, I pray that they would handle their sexuality. I pray they would deal with porn the way I do. God, I pray they would deal with anger the way I do. God, I pray that they would, they would harbor unforgiveness the way I do. You want to learn to hate your sin? Pray it on somebody you love.
I'm no different than you. Our praise team is going to come out and they're going to they're going to lead us in a in a time that we have a chance to respond back to our Heavenly Father with whatever it is He's stirring in us right now. And I don't know what that is for you. I just pray that for each one of us, we wouldn't bolt for the door because we want to get to the 501 first or our favorite restaurant. This is your chance to connect with your Heavenly Father with whatever He's stirring inside of you. Why in the world would we want to leave? Now, if you got to go to work, I get that. We don't want you to be late, but what is under your tent that you pray never happens to the next generation? This time is for you. If God's calling you to sing, sing. If he's calling you to get out of your seat and come down and, and just pray at this altar, we have prayer team who will come up and pray for you. But guys, let's, Let's get it out. Because what I do affects you. What you do affects me and this body of Christ that we are connected with in community. Let's get it out. Allow the spirit of God to come in and change you. But it's our choice. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.